This is where policy meets people, a Jev's Human Services podcast. I'm Kristen Rantanen, the host of Where Policy Meets People and Senior Vice President of Communications and Public Affairs at Jev's Human Services. This is a podcast for policy wonks that gets to the heart of policy. On this episode, we're going to talk about economic recovery. With unemployment at an all-time high in the Philly metro area and around the U.S., we're wondering what does a post-pandemic economy look like? Who's been hardest hit? And how do we get them back to work? At Jev's, we're collectors of stories. Each of the thousands of people we serve each year has a story. We intersect with that story, and then the magic happens. Trajectories are changed. New horizons open up. Hope becomes real. For this episode, I want to start with one of those stories because, for me, it captures the possibility of renewal and expanded opportunity that we aim for every day. I honestly didn't know where my career would take me. When I got laid off, I was down in the dumps. I was bummed. I had been underemployed, actually, and it it took a couple of career coaches, including one at Jev's, to help me realize just how underemployed I was for the past five, six, seven years. This is Deb Sakah a client from the local one-stop career center or career link that's operated by Jevs. I had gotten laid off at one point in my career in 2008 and then decided to become a chef and was an executive chef for about five years. Loved it, had a passion for it, sprained an ankle. And that landed me into taking just jobs that any job, like I was frantic. A friend of a friend basically said, hey, you know, I know somebody that wants a website and a CRM, which is a customer retention database system. You used to do this. My first job, I got a working for a tech company that installed computers and car dealerships and <laughs> just discovered not only a passion, but an aptitude for what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, sure. While I'm healing, I've got my ankle. Two weeks into that, the woman comes and says, do you think you could do this job full time for us? It was way less money and way more stress than what I had previously been doing. And so I stayed in that area for about five years. And at this point that I had gotten laid off and that's when I fell into the lap of Jeb's and CareerLink. So when you showed up at the CareerLink, you were at a low point trying to figure out what was next for you. Did you think about going back into technology at that point? So I was thinking that at that point, I couldn't keep using my body for work, which is basically what being a chef is. And I was like, I just always had a developed passion for technology. And I was like, you know what? I want to take this opportunity to really reinvent myself, really create myself. I realized I still had a passion for IT and tech. And I wanted to do something with that. And then at some point, the WIOA grant, they're like, look, we have these grants available that you could go ahead and refresh your skills. And I was like, you know, last time I saw a list of the workshops you have, it's okay, I already know Microsoft Word, Excel, all those things. And they're like, no, 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 this is different. And I said, okay. So she gave me the list and I saw cybersecurity on the list. And I was like, that sounds really interesting. Here's one of those connections we love to make happen at Jeff's. So what is this WIOA grant Deb mentioned? For that answer, I spoke to Fatima Martin, the WIOA team lead at the PA CareerLink. So WIOA 
stands for Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act, which was actually signed into law July of 2014. The WIOA program is designed to strengthen and improve our nation's public workforce system and to help support customers in obtaining high quality jobs and careers and also helps employers hire and retain skilled workers. So WIOA is really the the foundation for the work that you're doing at CareerLink. Yes, it is correct. So I just want to talk a little bit about the kinds of employment challenges in our region. It's well documented that there's been record unemployment in sectors like hospitality, retail, entertainment, sectors that our region really relies on as sort of key drivers of employment. Are you seeing people coming into CareerLink, coming out of those jobs and looking to get on a different career path than they were on prior to the pandemic? Yes, some customers are using this time to change into a different sector. It may have been the perfect you know, time because maybe they uh, didn't have the time to look for a training opportunity or a time to build their skills to get into a new sector. So we are seeing a lot of customers that are interested in a career change and and training programs that we offer. I'm so glad you used the word career because I wanted to talk a little bit about the idea of job versus career. What difference do you see between a job and a career? And I use that term because of working for before I actually became WIOA team lead, I was the EARN team lead. And the EARN program is a mandatory welfare to work program. And many of the times, you know, due to being on the on public assistance, the jobs that maybe just because of their skill set were not family sustainable jobs. They couldn't really make it with that job and still not need public assistance. So that was one of the things that we worked on and with our job development is to actually make a connection with our employers and offer our customers a higher wage so that they can really be off of public assistance and be able to still afford the things, housing, transportation, taking care of the kids. You know, you can't do that with maybe a $9 an hour a job so that not only will we do the work as the workforce advisors as building the skills that the customers would need, but also matching them to higher wage positions. So we're not just going to place our customers in any job that they're not going to stay in. We want to find jobs that have that higher wage so that the jobs become careers. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, especially for folks coming out of sectors like hospitality and retail, where the jobs are maybe lower wage, lower skill. There's a real opportunity here to think about, you know, reattaching to the workforce again, but doing it in a different way, doing it in a way that, that puts you on a career path. 
And that's why one of the things that we offer is our individual training assistance programs where those sectors where many people have been laid off, this is the opportunity to now, you know, get the training that you need for another uh, sector. And we offer many of those training programs through CareerLink. Really, these days, it boils down to a combination of growing your network and refreshing your skills. That is correct. I would say that's perfect recipe for another career path. With that perfect recipe in mind, let's check back in with Deb. Her career in hospitality as an executive chef was no longer a viable option. So she pursued a career in IT thanks to a WIOA grant via the CareerLink. So I went and through the WIOA grant program, I went back to school and got a cybersecurity certification. It's a year ago this month that I completed the coursework. And then because of COVID, everything shut down. I couldn't take the final certification test until they opened up for remote testing. So as soon as they did that in July, I was able to take my certification test and I got the certification. And the the cybersecurity credential was really the icing on the cake. It was an opportunity to build a skill set that you didn't already have. Yep, absolutely. So even though I had, you know, some technical skills and I had a technical background, cybersecurity was something that, yeah, I knew how to do networks. I knew that we'd have to assign a static IP address sometimes, but I never knew why we did that. And through going back into this program, and it was actually at CCP. So it was an accredited college. It wasn't like they put me in some little like Bobo strip mall school. It was an accredited (laughs) school. So I had great professors, great peers. And all of this is happening during the shutdown? Yeah. I was one of those graduates that got a cap and gown in the mail, had my little whatever celebration at the house. And then it was like, okay, we're now job searching during a global pandemic. What is this going to look like? It's just the pandemic hasn't, the world hasn't stopped because of it. Mm-hmm. It's just made you have to get a little bit more creative. Creative, yeah. And it feels like a real point in time to kind of think about rebooting your career. Not an easy time to do it, but a point in time to to really re- reboot your career and take advantage of those resources. Or even just to reevaluate, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I know people that are in industries right now that have been decimated by all of this. And some of them are really rethinking, is this really the career I want to be in? Or is this the job I want to be in? And they're in the same position that I was in. What do I want to do with my life? I honestly think that folks at Jobs and CareerLink can help with that. They're not going to sit there and tell you, you should be a salesperson or you should go into tech or you should do this. But they will guide you and say, what do you think? And it's just somebody to talk it through. You know, I have these soft skills. Oh, these soft skills can translate into this position. And so it's one of those things where they've been around enough people searching for jobs that they can look at your soft skill set or look at your hard-coded skills and say, yeah, you've been whatever for the past 20 years of your career, but you have these skills. Have you thought about doing this? Oh, I I never thought about that before. And so it's just a different perspective. For people looking for a job or looking to realign their careers during this time, I would have to say it's not going to be easy, but it's also not going to be impossible. I really, I owe a lot to Jeb's for giving me that courage, I guess you could say, to believe in myself more so than 
the job. It was the folks at Jevs being awesome at being who they are, helping to make me realize my own value. Deb has been working for a large tech company since February. In fact, when I spoke to her, she was out on the road having just done a major IT system install out of state. While Deb's story is hopeful, it's not exactly unique. There are other people just like Deb in a COVID-ravaged economy seeking new opportunities, new skills, new careers. An integral part of an effective workforce system anytime, and especially these days with millions of folks out of work, is the network of policymakers and employers who help make it all happen. So jobs that require skills training are really at the backbone of our economy. This is Katie Spiker, Director of Government Affairs at the National Skills Coalition. National Skills Coalition fights for a national commitment to inclusive, high-quality skills training so that more people have access to a better life. NSC has changed hundreds of state and federal skills policies that have had an impact on thousands of lives, grown local businesses and economies. We do all of this work through building networks that represent businesses, workers, colleges, community organizations, public officials, advocates. We engage those networks to both craft the policy proposals that we're advocating for and then work to mobilize those networks to help win concrete policy change. And I should say that among the VIPs in our network is Jevs, and it's been great to work with you all over the years and really showcase some of the capacity for where programs that are really serving workers and businesses meet. Oh, thank you for saying that. When we talk about who is best at translating policy and helping local folks like us put policy into practice, we always talk about the National Skills Coalition. So it sounds like you are uniquely qualified to give us a big picture of the unemployment situation as we think about the impact of the COVID pandemic. Can we talk a little bit about where we're seeing unemployment really hit people? Mm -hmm. More than 50 million Americans or 30% of the workforce have filed for unemployment. At the end of last year, there were still 10 million workers unemployed. More than 40% of that job loss has been affecting workers who earn less than $40,000 a year. Workers with a high school degree or less have lost their job three times as often as those with a four-year degree. And workers of color, especially women of color, have been disproportionately impacted by both the health and the economic crisis. Is the disproportionate impact here something new, or is it something that really is being exacerbated by the pandemic? Our nation has a, a poor track record when it comes to equitable economic recovery policy. There was racial discrimination that we saw marked the New Deal programs of the 30s and the GI Bill of the 40s. When we look to the previous recovery effort in the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act from prior to the crisis, there's much more spending that happened for college-bound students and long-term unemployed workers with college degrees than it did for workers who didn't have a four-year degree, not to mention the systemic racism that has really led to the disproportionate impacts that contributed to the current crisis. Can you tell me a little bit about the Skills for Inclusive Recovery agenda that you all have put out? Our Skills for Inclusive Economic Recovery has three big themes. So the first of the three themes is recognizing the disparate impact that the economic crisis has had on workers of color, immigrants, and workers with a high school diploma or less. The second is the essential role that small businesses who hire locally and invest in their people need policymakers to be their partner in this recovery. And the third is the moral and economic imperative to dismantle structural racism within workforce education and training. 
we're really looking at ensuring that there's a safety net that supports workers' long-term pathway to a skilled career, ensuring that policy approaches retraining and reemployment in a comprehensive way for all workers that have lost their job, ensuring that any job creation efforts like infrastructure include access to training for those who will need that for their new job, support for local businesses to avert layoffs and encourage upskilling, that digital access and learning for all workers is available, and that high-quality job-ready education for those who need it to re-enter the labor market, including ensuring that college works for working people. We did some polling early in the crisis, and each is supported by more than 70% of voters. So these are policies that we know based on the work that, that organizations like Jeb's are doing are important for workers and for businesses, and the general public agrees. Let's talk about the role of employers in this agenda and in a recovery. You mentioned small businesses, but thinking more broadly about all employers, how can employers participate and ensure that skills gaps are closed and make sure that recovery is inclusive? I think that the role of the employer is foundational in the workforce system, in our community college and technical college systems. And the the role of employers in ensuring that workers have access to training and upskilling really can't be understated right now. Where we hear from our business partners that they need support is really targeting training towards workers that have the greatest skill needs. Right now, the vast majority of investment that goes to training for incumbent workers goes to workers that already have four-year degrees. And so equipping businesses, both with the the technical assistance and the knowledge in how to train workers that don't have a four-year degree, as well as giving them the, the financial empowerment and incentives through tax credits to be able to do that for workers who have the greatest skill needs, is going to be really important to ensuring that businesses not just hire new workers that have already lost their jobs, but also give workers who are on the job the opportunity to upskill and reskill. Upskilling and reskilling. Two components, as we just learned from Katie Spiker of the National Skills Coalition, that are crucial to the recovery in this region. So what's the employer perspective on this issue? The predominant number of people that are at or below the poverty level are black and brown people. They are also at risk of having jobs that are going to be automated. That's Nicole Tranchatella of Accenture, one of 160 area thought leaders who are part of the Greater Philadelphia Chamber of Commerce's Recharge and Recover PHL initiative. And so one of the things that we did with this Recharge and Recover effort around the uh, Philadelphia Skills Forward initiative was to make sure that we are enabling folks to get the jobs that they need that are not going to be at risk for automation. And those folks that we are trying to make this program available are predominantly black and brown. We are making it inclusive of anybody, but just by definition, the folks that we're expecting to be coming through this program are going to be a predominance of black and brown individuals. In addition to supporting the overall goals of the plan, are there other things that Accenture that your company is doing to help the chamber reach its goals? One of the strengths that we have in Accenture is that we help deliver business outcomes and we help affect change. So for example, in our Skills Forward initiative, we've identified that we are going to be training north of 5,000 people between now and June of 2022. So in addition to not only training those folks and leveraging our own Accenture skills program that we are making available at no cost to graduate Philadelphia and uh, the Philadelphia works organizations, 
We're also making sure that we're helping those organizations with ways in which to measure the progress along the way. And so that's making sure that we have the outcomes that we can identify, we can measure, and we can communicate. Then there's the change element of things. We've been very clear that we are not trying to replace any of the great programs that are already in the city of Philadelphia and the surrounding counties. We are trying to enable them for success. Part of enabling them for success is recognizing that change needs to happen. And the biggest change that needs to happen, one is around the training. And then the second thing is making sure that those individuals that go through that training have access to the positions that are open within the companies. So we're working with the employers to make sure that we understand what their demand is, when their demand is, and then how to create the connections between the employers and the people that want to apply to those positions. What does that look like? What are those connections? What do meaningful connections look like for employers in the workforce system? Look, before 2020, you would say things like job fairs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You would say things like, hey, we're just going to have a regular uh, recruiting efforts. So what we've had to do is figure out how can we do this in the environment that we're living in right now? We can't wait for the environment to change. And so how do we do this in a more digitally enabled format? And the great news is that within Accenture, we help our clients be more digitally enabled. So we have the background to be able to do that. The other thing that we're doing is we are looking at ways in which to create more collaboration across industries. So we've identified a number of different industries within the Philadelphia market that are in high demand. And so, for example, those are things like what we call health tech. So positions like medical records. There's lots of companies and hospitals that need people that can do medical records. But instead of having each individual hospital try to post positions, how do we work together to find out what that demand is that we can then work with the nonprofit organizations, the Graduate Philadelphias and the Philadelphia Works to create the events for people to say, oh, there's positions at CHOP, there's positions at Jefferson, there's positions at Pennsylvania Hospital and leveraging it together versus individually. That makes so much sense. Just navigating those opportunities as a job seeker would be difficult, but I can't imagine you've got a group of employers really fighting over the same pool of talent, and now they can collaborate, and everyone gets the talent that they need for their organization. Absolutely. But I'm just wondering about access to those opportunities and the kinds of challenges that we're seeing with the digital divide and tech skills. So for the average job seeker in Philadelphia, you know, what needs to happen on the job seeker side to make sure that they can get access to these opportunities? The digital enablement is up and running with organizations like Comcast and, and others. And they're definitely creating hot spots where people can actually have access to the internet and things like that around digital literacy. That is part of our skills forward initiative. There's a base level of training that we want all of our folks to go through around digital literacy, finance literacy, just communication skills, et cetera, training that will help upskill, right? We're upskilling folks to be able to have the skills that they need to be able to not only do their jobs, but honestly be more digitally capable. And so those things are going to help create better opportunities for our community. Well, and the terrific part is, is that all of this is happening within the chamber's plan. So all of those pieces that are sometimes disconnected, the hardware technology access piece and the skills you need to actually use the hardware, that can come together under the chamber plan. It's one of the great things that has happened over the past 
uh, nine months has been this convening of different partners and business leaders, honestly, just putting their individual badges on their back pockets and all focused on the common good. All of us, we want Philadelphia and the region to rebound. We need Philadelphia and region to rebound. And so how do we do that in a way to position all of our folks for success? And and it's just amazing to see the leaders across all the different industries work together on this common good. Nicole describing how businesses and leaders from around the community are banding together for the common good reminded me that since our inception, at Jeff's Human Services, we've been committed to the Jewish principle of tikkun olam. It's a Hebrew phrase for repairing the world. It's a simple idea, even an obvious one, but right now it feels like a valuable one. With that in mind, I'm going to give Katie Spiker the last word as she looks forward with cautious optimism towards the real possibility for an inclusive economic recovery. I'm optimistic that Congress and that the administration is at a point where they're able to recognize that worker skill needs need to be addressed in order to move towards economic recovery. I think the one thing that I'll say about all of it is that the environment in D.C. right now is so uncertain. And there's a lot of needs and a lot of priorities that members are focusing on right now. And the advocacy from people that are doing the work on the ground, from people from the workforce system, from community and technical colleges, from businesses that care about these investments is what's going to actually ensure that we have investments as part of future legislation. And so anything that I'm optimistic about is because of the strength of the people that National Skills Coalition works with and the power of their advocacy. I want to thank my guests, Deb Sakha, Fatima Martin, Katie Spiker, and Nicole Trenchatella. I also want to thank PWP Video for their assistance in production of this podcast. They're great partners in creating media with a mission. For more of their work, visit pwpvideo.com. Our theme song was composed by Zach Wright, and the show is produced by me, alongside of my colleague John Colburn, also of Jeff's Human Services, and Michael Schweisheimer and Pat Ganley of PWP Video. The show is skillfully edited by Pat. To learn more about Jeff's Human Services, check out our website at jevshumanservices.org or follow us on social media at Jeff's Human Services on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm Kristen Rantanen, and until next time on Where Policy Meets People. Thank you.